is about 4.15 on Saturday, October 24th. Uh, we're going to continue to kind of slog through, uh, go slow through Genesis chapter 6. There's a lot to uncover there and a lot to go through. Uh, but as my folks used to tell me, repetition is learning. So uh, let's bow our heads for a word of prayer and we'll go through this. Father, thank you for this time. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you for how you give us direction in uh, how we live through your word. Thank you for the glory of your son, Jesus Christ, who paid for what we owe you at the cross. Thank you for his resurrection. Uh, because this gives us light, the life beyond the grave. God, thank you for this time. I pray that as I teach, I am being taught. And I pray that these folks will look at this and search the scriptures daily with great eagerness and great excitement as they go through this. Uh, I pray that uh, whatever questions may come their way, it's for clarity as they continue to search through and find what those answers are and give a defense for their faith. And I pray that you'll pierce the hearts of somebody who may be just watching this at random. That Maybe, hey, I've never pondered these questions about what is life? What's it all about? We have to have an answer for it. We've got to have an answer for how we live, why we believe, and uh, why we live the way that we do. God, thank you for this time. Again, we lift up the name of Christ, the name above all names by which men must be saved. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. First of all, I'm grateful for people who are watching our lessons on uh, different social mediums that they may be watching this through. And um, it, it really, uh, it's exciting to see that I, I feel, I want to field a question because through one of the different social mediums that we are uh, it's broadcasting or uh, sharing and teaching our lessons through, I got a question and somebody, and this question was um, about, you know, I see the times that we're living in and I see a lot of similarities of what, uh, what, the, uh, what the patriarchs lived through there in those early uh, creation days, Adam to Noah, what they were encountering and what they were dealing with. Uh, you know, they say they could, this person says, hey, I can see that. I see what's being talked about. But the question was, what does it mean that God repents when he sees all this wickedness and all this evil going on around him? And, and uh, what does that mean exactly? And it's an excellent question, one that I've grappled with over the years as I've studied this and looked at it. Um, so let's get into this. Let's look at uh, Genesis chapter six, verses one through eight. And it says that in those early days in the, on the earth, it says it came about that when men began to multiply on the face of the land and daughters were born to them, that the sons of God were born, saw that the daughters of men were beautiful and they took wives for themselves, whomever they chose. When the, when the Lord said, my spirit then the Lord said, my spirit shall not strive with man forever because he is flesh. Nevertheless, his day shall be 120 years. I'm going to stop there for just a second. As, as we unpack this from Genesis 1 to Genesis 6, there is roughly 1,656 years. Um, to, I believe, and I believe this is from Adam to the time that Noah died. So it was after the flood. And Noah lived about 350 years after the flood. So 
if you think about it, six chapters covering 1,500 years or so estimate, that's a lot to unpack. There's, this is kind of a broad category, and people have to answer, who are the sons of God? And I shared with you before that, that there are many uh, fine men, good men, who love the Lord, who have studied this, and, and uh, we don't have enough information, but you have to be able, people ask questions, you have to be able to answer got to be able to give a defense for it. And there's like three or four different things that talk about um, uh, who the sons of God are. And I'm teaching from the fact that, that I believe, that I, when I say fact, it's no. But when I see in the Old Testament sons of God, it's, they are mentioned as the, the heavenly council, the heavenly host, angels, okay? And rank and file, different order or authority, uh, it's like military, different ones. It's a rank, ranking system of the angels. And I believe that what we see here in the Old Testament, when we see sons of God, we're talking about angelic beings. And they and Jude talks about they stepped outside of their proper authority. It talks about, Jude talks about how these angels were in rebellion against God and they, um, they stepped outside their proper abode is what the word is used where they were supposed to be. And they saw that and they were fallen angels, um, satanic in nature, demonic and so forth. And so that's why we see a lot of demonic and spiritual warfare going on on the earth. Um, we see this godly line of men from Adam to Noah and their families that they they had a passion for the Lord and they were they were desirous to love him and pursue him. But everybody else, there was wickedness that just ran rampant on the earth. They knew who their creator was, but they refused to recognize it. Romans chapter one talks about this. People who live in, in unbelief and they keep doing whatever they want to do, whenever they want to do, they just want to gratify whatever desires are going on inside of them. And so uh, uh, this wickedness will play out. And uh, so anyway, that's I'm getting ahead of myself a little bit, but there is a lot of demonic and spiritual warfare. We'll get back to this wickedness and the thoughts and intent of man's heart on evil continually here in just a second here. But that's what I believe are the sons of God. Somebody has said, there's some other theologians and biblical scholars, and I'm not disagreeing with them at all because uh, I, I, it's fascinating when you study this, that possibly human, that, that men, human beings, had, had given themselves over to a demonic influence. And that may be possible. Uh, that may be a possibility right there. Um, you know, Paul talks about, I've been studying 2 Thessalonians. Paul talks about how, how there's going to be a time where people are, God's going to send a delusional or a deluding influence upon people. So much so that they have, they have in their own hearts, they have uh, cast aside any belief against God. They, they refuse to recognize him and honor him in any other ways to worship him. They, they don't be, uh, recognize his existence. So God says, okay, I'm taking my hands off. And I'm sending this delusional influence. Romans 1 talks about this, about how God three times in verses 24, 26, and 28, God's, Paul writes this and he says, God gave them over, you know, to degrading passions, uh, to unnatural desires, to depraved thinking. He, he turns them over. Now, here's the thing. People want to turn around and say, well, that's not fair of God. Hey, people knew who God was and they refused to recognize it. It's their unbelief 
that is sending them away from the Lord, okay? Here's the thing. The more you come after the Lord, he's going to put a desire in you to keep coming after it, keep coming after it, and keep coming after it. All right, now let me go ahead and read on, and we're going to get to this next part here. So demonic and spiritual warfare that's going on on the earth, uh, it talks about this, the, the Nephilim that are on the earth in those days and also afterward, when the sons of God came into the daughters of men and they bore children to them. That's the result of this, this marriage, this union. And I've talked about this in about two, three, maybe four lessons so far. But again, there is a lot to unpack here just to go through this. And, and again, it's, I'm not saying that I'm right at all because there's other men who have who are a lot smarter than me that have come up and developed and studied and they have their own feelings about this too. But the bottom line is there is wickedness on the earth. I believe we'll all agree with that. That the passage is saying that the, that the thoughts and intent of, of the heart of man are on evil continually. I believe we can all agree that there's all kinds of demonic and spiritual warfare because when the, when you get away, you keep walking from God. And, and you just, you've given yourself over to these other influences, that's the way you're going to go. And we can see that right here. And it, it's pretty uh, clear here. My spirit shall not strive with man forever because he is flesh. God is spirit. Look at this. I am not, I'm not tolerating this. This brings displeasure to me, what I'm seeing on the earth. Genesis 1, verse 31 tells us this, that after seven days or after the sixth day and going into the seventh day, God rested and he saw that everything he'd made, it wasn't just good. It was very good. The Lord was ecstatic with what he was seeing. He was pleased with what he saw. Uh, it, it brought pleasure. He was overjoyed with what he was seeing. Everything was fixed. Everything was after their own kind. It was so, so I'm seeing the heavens, I'm seeing the, the stars, the sun, the moon, everything, the universe, the galaxies I've created. I'm looking down here at the creation of earth. I'm seeing what's happening with the, with the fish of the sea, the sea, great sea mammals. I'm seeing the wild beasts of the field. I'm seeing all the other animals, the herds. I'm seeing the birds of the sky. I'm seeing the plants and the trees and the beauty of it all. And he's saying, this is very good. He is overjoyed. He is ecstatic with what he is seeing. I love this. I love what I'm seeing. And Adam and Eve, and oh my goodness, they come on and it's like, hey, I, please come to me. Please come to me. Let's have fellowship with each other. I'm creating this for you, please. And you know what? It just shows you the love that comes out of God's heart. The love that comes out of God's heart. Because in verse 5 of Genesis 6, we'll go on and we can see the grief that comes out of him as we tackle the question. It means that God repents. What does that mean? I'm reading from the New American Standard, and it says that the Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great on the earth, and that every intent of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. The Lord was sorry that he had made man on the earth, and he was grieved in his heart. Oh, my goodness. This is language that Moses is writing. He's saying this in such a way that we can understand that God feels this pain. 
He is grieving from what he has seen. Now, there's not this, God knew how this was going to play out, okay? First of all, God is all-knowing. God is all-powerful, and he's all-present or ever-present, however you want to say that. There were some fancy words I could have used here, but I'm just going to keep it like that. He's, he's strong, he's, he's strength, he has all the authority and power. Not only that, he knows what's going on in people's lives. He knows what's going on in their hearts and in their minds. And we just read that right here. He knew, he knew that man's thoughts were on intent. He knew that his, of his heart were on evil, not just on evil, but it was continually. The time frame was always going on here. I find this interesting in Matthew chapter 15. And I use this as a part of my um, testimony about how I came to Christ. Um, one of the things that I, I see in my, I saw in myself when I recognized the wretchedness in me, just how mean I was and my thoughts and the anger that I had to deal with when I saw that, it broke me. God broke me. His spirit pierced my heart and he has taken up residence in me. Now, I'm not, I'm not there yet. God is still working on me. I still have this sinful flesh in me. I mean, it still rears up its ugly head sometimes. It does, you know. I don't say, the, say it the right way. I don't, I don't speak things the right way to my children or my wife, or I don't nurse somebody or, or whatever. I might not come across the right way. Or I have these bad thoughts and anger that's, that comes in me, or I get aggravated with somebody. I mean, we're not there yet. You're going to sit there and say, well, that's just human. Well, yeah, okay, it is, but that doesn't make it right. It doesn't, let's not make excuses. God has given us a responsibility and he wants our, our, he wants our hearts to come after him. Okay, I preached enough to that. Let me get to Matthew 15, Matthew chapter 15. This is where in the parable, in, 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 in this section, uh, Jesus and his disciples, or he's, he's being, he in, has an encounter with the, uh, with the Pharisees. And, uh, and the scribes and Pharisees, they had come to Jesus from Jerusalem, and they said, hey, we noticed that your elders, they don't wash their hands according to the tradition of the elders. And Jesus says, hey, listen, you guys have a lot of religious knowledge. I'm paraphrasing, by the way, that you have a lot of religious knowledge. Your lips, you speak a lot and highly about God, but your, your, your hearts are far from the Lord. You go after, you go, you follow after these vain traditions and religious customs, but your hearts are far from God. And that's where Jesus gets to pardon the, the pun or rhyme or whatever you want to call it. He gets to the heart of the matter. He says this, it's not what a man takes into his mouth that defiles or makes a man dirty. It's what comes out of the heart. That is what defiles and makes a man dirty. When I read that and I saw that, I thought, yes, I recognize that in me. I recognize where I'm at before the Lord. I recognize who I am, that I'm, I'm just filthy with sin. And God's looking down and clapping and saying that that a boy, Phil, that you're recognizing. It's about recognizing your sin. 
recognizing where you're at before God. These folks right here, they wanted to do whatever they wanted to do. They want to gratify their own hearts and gratify their own pleasures. And they were out of control because in the New Testament, we're told, hey, one of the fruits of the Spirit is self-control. Self-control. Don't act. You know, it's we, we have to deal with evil. We have to deal with thoughts, a thought life and lust. We have to deal with that. We can't act out on that. We have to keep it under control. We're out of the heart. Matthew 15, verse 19. We're out of the heart. Come evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, fornications, thefts, false witness, slanders. These are the things which defile or make a man dirty. That's what pollutes us. But to eat with unwashed hands does not defile the man. I find this interesting. Verse 19, I want to repeat this. For out of the heart come evil thoughts. I think we all, when we study the uh, when we study, study the Ten Commandments, we all can kind of have some understanding that yeah, murder, that's bad. Stealing is bad. Adultery is bad. Those things are not good. That is evil. We see it played out. What's the big deal about coveting? Okay, I want you to think about something. Think about this, because I believe this fits in with this, okay, about your your thoughts and your and, and the thoughts and intent, intent of your heart are on evil continuum. Think about this. Think about a car or a truck that you want. You want it real bad, and you see this guy that's got this truck. And you're thinking, oh my goodness, I want, I want, I don't want just a truck. I want that guy's truck. Think about how you could get it. You get it. You either going to, it's either going to be theft. You're going to steal the truck because your mind is just preoccupied with wanting to get that truck. You want that truck. You want that truck. Or it could go to something very extreme, like a carjacking. Get out! I want that car. That gunpoint. Think about that. And that's the world we're living in today. That is where we're at today. The thoughts of the man's heart are on evil continually. That's why this should concern us about where about our thought life. I talk to students all the time about this. I mean, well, as long as I don't let it get to this point, as long as I don't let this happen and come to this particular point, let me tell you something. The more you entertain these thoughts, you're going to give yourself over to that, and it's going to lead to that type of action. There's something to be said about our speech and our conduct because all that is reflected on what is in a man's heart. Because our heart is not just some organ that pumps blood throughout our body and comes, and, and comes back to our heart so it can be oxygenated and sent out throughout our body. No, 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 no. Your heart, when scripture talks about your heart, it, <clears throat> your heart is your seat of your emotions. It's your personality. Your heart is your personality, the seat of your emotions, your behavior. What is a man thinking? It'll eventually come out. And, and, the, and, and, and Jewish thought life, that, or in their thoughts and in their teachings, what is inside of a man that will eventually come out? And there's a lot of truth to be said about it. I remember my father saying this to me. You know, it's it's been it's been over 12 years since my father passed away. But one of the things, 
as a young man, I scoffed at a lot of the things that he said to me. But when he died, he said, when he died, I just remember thinking, okay, everything he said to me, the principles about life, is the truth. It's the truth. He was a prophet. He was a prophet beyond the sense. But I remember, you, you, I'm giving you more information than you need to know, but you need to know where I've come from in these lessons and who I am. You need to know those things. But I remember one of the things he told me when I was going through this stage of my life when I was just full of anger and rage and a lot of larceny. He said this, he said, son, you cannot act out the way you feel. And in 2020, that's what we're seeing. We are seeing people acting out the way they feel. I hear people crying out all the time. I want the Bible to speak to the relevance of my life. Well, there you go. There you go. I'm getting real animated today, but but here's what we see happening here. The thoughts and intent of our heart are on evil continually. If I've said that once, I've said it 20 times in the 20 minutes that I've been here with you, but there's, there's a ton of truth to this. And God looks down on us and he is sorry. Now, He's not changing his mind, okay? There's a thought out there that, that in, in, a, in a, a school of thought in, in theology that, uh-oh, God went to plan B. He wasn't exhaustive in all of his knowledge. Let me tell you something. God knows everything that's going on before it happens. I can't fathom that in my mind. He is, he is all exhaustive knowledge. He is all exhaustive power. He is all exhaustive presence. Everything, everywhere, he is, that's what he is. But the sorry that we're seeing here is he knows that he's going to have to bring judgment and wrath to his creation. Yeah, this brings displeasure to him. Sin brings displeasure to him. Let me read to you from Matthew 23. Jesus is on the cross. I'm sorry, not, not Matthew 23, uh, Matthew 27. <clears throat> I'm going to read verse 45, start there. Uh, now, the, now from the sixth hour, darkness fell upon all the land until the ninth hour. About the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice saying, and this is in Aramaic, so I hope that I'm saying this the right way. Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani. That is, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? You know, Jesus always said, he always made proclamation, the Father and I are one. We're not just in unity in what we do and in what we say, but I am God. Here's the one point in time where they're separated. They're separated. Because God the Father looked down at his son. All the sin of humanity all the sin of humanity, past, present, future, falling on his son. Do not look at his son because of the sin that fallen on him. Everything. Jesus knew that. He knew when he came down on this earth that this is what this is what he came to do, to do the will of his father. Because he knew that's why he'd come down. He gave up all the royalties of heaven to come down here and live and to, and to go through life the way he did, live the way he did. Humble means. That's how he did. That's how he came on this earth. 
But this is the one time because, and this is the sorrow that Jesus felt. This is the sorrow that the that, that God had felt. The Father, as he looked down on Jesus, the Son, Jesus, God, the Son, as he looked at, he grieved. This was grief. And here's what's awesome about this. Think about it. If God feels, he feels the pain and what he sees. Now he's spirit, so he doesn't have a heart, okay? He doesn't have a physical heart. Again, we're talking about emotions. We're talking about, we're talking about personality in everything of, of who God is. And, and what we see is, is that God is feeling pain from what he's seeing on the earth. Um, you know, one of the things that we see is that, you know, think about how you might love a family member. Or if you're a husband, you love your wife. Or a wife, you love your husband. Think about the love that you have for somebody. Well, let me tell you something. We love, and we love him. I can't pull myself up by my bootstraps to love him, but I love him because he first loved me. John talks about that in his letter, 1 John. So God shows love. For God so loved the world that he gave his only whosoever would believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life. Listen, remember, remember 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9, the Lord is not slow in his coming, as some count slowness, but is patient toward you in that all men would come to repentance, not wishing for anyone to perish all men to come to repentance. That is his long suffering. That is his mercy. That is his patience at work here. God is doing that. He, is, he's, he's, he longs for men to come to know him and to love him. That's what we see happening here. And that's God's character. That's how he is. God gave man a lot of, of freedom, but with that freedom came a, a ton of responsibility. Yeah, yeah. Think about what he told Adam. Hey, everything. You can eat anything. You, I just eat anything, anything from a tree, anything, any uh, um, any fruit or seed-bearing plant, anything, any fruit-bearing tree, you can have it. There's just one tree that I want you to eat from. In this huge garden. But God is not going to be mocked. Yeah, there's judgment for that. There's judgment. We, we brought in, and you know, because of that, I was born in sin. And there's no way I could repay what I owe to God. No way could I repay what I owe to God. So right here, the, the, the idea of God repenting, it's not that he's changing his mind. It's not that uh, he, he doesn't regret like, oh, I'm sorry that happened. It's, it's, it's not an apology because God can't change in that regard. He, he doesn't. Uh, 1 Samuel chapter 15, and I'll read this. Um, you know, there was a time, it's, you know, God was telling Samuel, hey, I regret that I made Saul king. And you know what Samuel did? He grieved. 
He cried and was in distress. He cried out to the Lord all night because guess what? He made, he made Saul king and Saul was not going to do what God had asked him to do. He was not living in obedience. He did not have a heart for the things of the Lord. He was going to do whatever he wanted to do whenever he wanted to do it. And, and, and in verse 29 of, of 1 Samuel 15, also the glory of Israel, that's God, that's the Lord, will not lie or change his mind, for he is not a man that he should change his mind. God is immutable. He never changes. He might relent. He may pull back. Okay, I see that. Like there's a time where he tells Moses, hey, I'm going to just start with you. I'm going to blot out these people. And he says, oh, don't forget the covenant with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And God says, hey, I'm testing. I'm testing you. You passed the test, Moses. I was wondering if anybody remembered that. I was wondering if anybody remembered that covenant that I'd made with you folks. That's how God is. God makes promises. He's not going to break his promises. But he also wants, he's going to say, hey, who's going to live in obedience? He puts tests out there. He doesn't tempt us or lead us to temptation. He delivers us from, from evil and temptation. But he wants us to say, hey, are you trusting me? I've made this declaration. Now I'm going to see if you're really trusting me on this. Yeah. Yeah, let's finish up here. Genesis chapter 6. Because we see that even with what, everything that's going on on the earth, we see, we see that the Lord, that even with all this grief and sorrow, he's going, he is going to, he's bringing destruction, he's bringing catastrophe, he's bringing judgment and wrath on the earth. I will blot out man from whom I have created from the face of the land, from man to animals to creeping things and the birds of the sky. For I am sorry that I have made man. And remember, this was for there was one hundred and twenty years. Let's, I'm going to use you, Noah, and I've used your, your father, Lamech, and I've used your grandfather, Methuselah, because when he dies, the judgment comes. And even Enoch, your great, uh, your great grandfather, those men were prophets. Those men talked about a coming destruction. So don't say that God's not fair. God is more than fair. He's waiting on people to turn from their wicked ways and come to him. And Noah was that man. But Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. Grace, grace. First time where we see that, where God has poured grace on somebody. Because he said, hey, I see a man who is faithful to me. He recognizes me as creator. He recognizes me as the one who has authority and power of life and death. Yes, yeah, just such a man. His thoughts are on me, not on for himself and for us, but for what's going on in the debauchery that's going on in the sexual perversions, the immorality that's taking place. His eyes are on me. Yeah. We have to deal with sin. We also have to realize that God has made a covenant. He's made a covenant. And he wants us to live for him, and pursue him, come after him. Yeah. That's, and, and, God always delivers. It's not on our timeline. He operates outside of time. He's outside of that. But God always, it's always right on time and it's just in time. To quote my former pastor, you know, it's always right there. Yes, 
God does that. Let me, let me share this with you last thing. Think about when you go to the funeral home. You go and you, you, you see family or a friend, somebody's passed away, and you want to you be there for that person out of respect, and you want to show love to them. So let them know that, hey, you're in our thoughts and prayers, and we think a lot of you. That's why people go and pay respects at a funeral home <clears throat> when some family member, a family friend has passed away, and you want to do that. What do you say? You say, hey, I'm very sorry. You're not apologizing. You're just feeling grief for them. You're letting them know that you have you feel grief and the pain for what they're going through and what they're dealing with. Kind of the same thing here. The Lord is sorry. Yeah. Come on. Come on, mankind. God wouldn't say that that way, but it's like, oh, I have great love for you, but you know what? You, you're, you're refusing to honor me in your ways. So he's, he's going to bring judgment. He's bringing wrath. And he, he, there's sorrow in his heart to do it. But he's not going to be mocked either. He's not going to be mocked. You know, thinking people can just go and live any way they want to. Yeah, there's consequences to be paid for. Uh, I've heard this most of my life. Think about this. You can make choices. You have freedom to do that. But you have, you, you can't, you can't, uh, you don't have freedom to the consequences of the choices you make. Hey, hang with me. You search out the scriptures daily. Do it with great eagerness and excitement. Keep looking over what we've been teaching, what I've been teaching through. And, uh, I'm, uh, you know, we're going to keep going through Genesis 6 and going through some things. There may be some other things that I pick up as I go through this. But, hey, God bless you. And uh, keep your eyes on Christ. Keep pursuing him. Come after him in all that you do. May your life reflect Christ in your speech and in your conduct. And uh, until he returns. Maranatha to you and yours. God bless you and may he richly bless you in all that you do.